0: Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Greeno, and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts,
1: and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello
0: and welcome to Dementia Untangled. We are so glad that you have joined us today for this episode of our podcast.
1: Today, our conversation is going to be with Dr. Brianna Amen, who is a neuropsychologist at Banner Sun Health Research Institute. And we're gonna be discussing hearing loss and dementia. You know, on the surface, it may not seem like hearing loss is an applicable topic to cover when we're discussing something like cognition and dementia, Um, but it's so interesting when you dive a little bit deeper into these, how intertwined these two subjects really are. You know, it almost becomes like a chicken or egg type of thing. Which comes first? Do you develop hearing loss and have an increased risk for dementia, or does the dementia then cause a hearing loss to happen? It's such a good question, Heather, and, you know, hearing
0: loss impacts us not only in this scientific way, but relationally. And I have a fun family story to share with you this morning about hearing aids. It's my understanding that my great-great-uncle had a way of getting a little peace with my great-great-aunt, who was quite a chatter. So back in their day, hearing aids were relatively new, and they had a battery pack, and the batteries would often die. So When they weren't using them, people would just turn them off and try to save those batteries. So he kept his in his front shirt pocket. So whenever she would be chatting away and nudge my great great uncle to respond to her, he would just point to the hearing aid battery box in his pocket as if to say, I can't hear you, the batteries have died or I'm saving my batteries. I think that he was pretty
1: smart and maybe Heather, maybe just a little bit ornery. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. I'm gonna keep that in mind in the future, actually.
0: (laughs) You know, since those days, technology has improved so much with hearing aids. And the other day I heard an advertisement for hearing aids
1: and they said, these aren't your grandma's hearing aids. Oh, wow. You know, I remember um, back working in retirement communities, the difficulty with hearing aids just in general because it was difficult to get them in, to get the batteries in, to get them appropriately placed in the ears, and then you add dementia on top of that, and it just adds a whole other level of complication. Absolutely. So I'm really excited about our discussion today. Um, Welcome, Dr. Amin. Well, thank you for having me. So before we dive into this subject, I would like to learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us about your journey and and what led you to connect with the dementia community? Absolutely.
2: So my journey first started actually right after I graduated from college and I was working as a psychometrist for another neuropsychologist. Now at that time, I did not know that neuropsychology was what I wanted to do. And I thought, I just can't wait to help these people through therapy and counseling and talking with them. Then when I got into grad school and started working with patients and I was always interested in working with older adults, I found that we actually had a lot of difficulty making any progress until we better understood the problem. And so that's what kind of led me into assessment. And I found that being able to speak with someone about their strengths and weaknesses and then being able to share that with their family was way more affected than whatever I was trying to do, just listening to them for an hour. So after that, I realized how important the dementia community is because we're really never just helping one person. It really relies on their family and whole social environment.
1: Wow. That's so interesting. And and I love how you said you like to really kind of dive a little deeper and get to the root of what the issue is, which I think is a kind of a lot of what we're talking about today with hearing loss and dementia. So uh, can you share even more specifically, how did you bring hearing loss into your interest areas?
2: Well, working with older adults, hearing loss was always perhaps a minor annoyance. We're trying to talk and have a conversation and someone can't hear me and I need to repeat myself. I have a high pitched voice and those higher octave sounds are some of the first ones that we lose with age-related hearing loss. But I never thought about it from a scientific standpoint until our group was approached by an audiologist who noticed that many of his patients who were getting cochlear implants, which is a really advanced treatment for severe hearing loss, they weren't responding to the treatment as well as he expected. And he realized that it may be because they were actually having some cognitive decline. So we were going to start seeing these patients and I dove into figuring out, well, wait, what's just like you had said, the chicken or the egg, what's causing this? So that's when I got to really learn about the scientific side of the real deep link between hearing loss
0: and cognitive changes or dementia. That's so very interesting. You know. These days, when we're on Zoom more, when people are wearing masks, it's so hard when you're in the grocery store and sometimes people will be talking to each other and they have their mask on and you can't see their lips moving, voices muffled. And it gives you a feeling of what people with severe hearing loss might be going through.
2: Absolutely, there's so many nonverbal cues, even just in our mouth, like smiles.
0: I think that one of the tools that um, you have talked to us about before is when we're using Zoom, there's things that we can do to make our voice clearer. And I wondered if you could kind of give us an example and demonstrate how you use your microphone and your headset and the difference that that makes.
2: Absolutely. I found out about this when I was meeting with my patients um, over the summer when we were all doing telehealth. And I thought previously using my regular computer microphone was not an issue but these issues can be worsened by hearing loss. So does this microphone sound any different than the one I was using before?
1: Oh, wow, there's a significant difference. It sounds like you're almost further away and kind of, I hear a lot more of the ambient sound in the room.
2: (laughs) And I am farther because I'm sitting far away from my computer and I think that air might just be our air conditioning. So if you plug it back
0: in, let's hear the difference now. So this is using my usual microphone. Mm. Oh, that is so much better. The clarity is unreal.
2: That's the feedback I've received. So it's really become a part of me now.
1: Well, that seems like a, a simple tool that we can implement since we're living so much of our lives now virtually. This seems like a simple switch that we can make to make sure that we're plugging in a microphone instead of just relying on our computer's microphone to pick up our sound. Are there other tools that you're aware of that can be helpful whether virtually or in person that can help?
2: Yes, one tool that we use often in the clinic but people can also use it at home is a personal sound amplifier. These look like a headset with a little microphone Depending on our listener's age, they may remember a, a Walkman.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. I, I have to admit, I remember the Walkman.
2: <laughs> and that's what it looks like. But it's a microphone and it has a volume control. So it can help amplify the voices of the people around you. But if they're too loud, the person can also control it and turn it back down to normal. And those are available on Amazon. You can buy them online there. You don't have to be a healthcare provider to use that.
0: So interesting that you could just go online and have it delivered to your door tomorrow.
2: Recently because it can be a difficult lengthy and expensive process to get hearing aids, although that is always the top of the line. Some studies have looked at using these over-the-counter sound amplifiers in people with dementia and they found that it can really help with the depression and isolation that can go along with not being able to hear and engage with our family.
0: That's so interesting. We're always looking in those research-based approaches to make a difference for people who are living with dementia. Maybe they're just living with hearing loss. Maybe it's both. One of the things that I've seen is when people are speaking to one another and maybe when the governor, you'll have the um, sign language interpreters, they'll have a mask and it will have an opening or it will be one of those clear shields so that people can see the mask. And maybe that's something in the home that people can use uh, as well, or when they're out in public, if they're wearing a mask, uh, if they have the mask on that's clear, that can help their person as well.
2: Absolutely. Those visual cues and lip reading are so important for what we experience as hearing, but it's really a combination of those sensory inputs. And even for people who do not hear and use sign language, like you were saying, facial expressions are part of that communication.
1: Well, and we know, especially for people with dementia, how powerful that nonverbal is almost even more important than the actual words, the verbal communication that we're using. So those sound like great tools to use. I'm wondering, Dr. Amin, can you uh, just kind of start us from the beginning and tell us purely what is hearing loss?
2: Absolutely. So hearing loss results from changes in our inner ear structures. Inside there are these little cells, but they look like hairs, so they're called hair cells, (laughs) and they move with airwaves. And that's what produces the experience of sound. Over time, like the rest of our body, they can become brittle and less flexible, which results in hearing loss. At the same time, if we move a little deeper into our brain, the aging brain can have trouble processing sound signals, especially if there may be some cognitive changes. So put together those two things result in hearing loss.
0: So how does the hearing loss impact cognition or impact dementia and by being able to hear better make it better or not being able to hear make it worse. Well,
2: first of all, it can be hard to tell which is which. And that happens even for the scientists who are looking at this question. So lots of things that go along with aging impact both our thinking abilities and our hearing, like vascular changes in our brain related to blood flow. Also, they've found that hearing loss can increase risk for developing dementia. And even mild levels of hearing loss increase that risk by a twofold. And then when we get into moderate and severe levels of hearing impairment, people are at a five times risk of developing dementia compared to others their age who can hear well.
1: Wow, that's incredible. A five times risk of developing dementia. Like I, you have sold me on taking care of my hearing right now for sure. But if we intervene early with the hearing loss, is there any impact on the risk?
2: Yes, and although, The research is still figuring it out. One of the main theories that have emerged is that the reason that hearing loss can impact dementia risk is due to cognitive resources. We only have so much mental energy to go around. And if our brain is using that energy, trying to make sense of distorted sound signals, it doesn't have a lot left to focus on what we want to focus on. Over time, if that continues to happen, our brain can kind of give up on trying to hear and divert that energy elsewhere. So then hearing loss can become more permanent and those brain changes can become more permanent, leaving us with less energy to devote to that kind of auditory working memory that we need to remember conversations. But if the hearing loss is connected, luckily our brains have super good what's called plasticity or the ability to regrow and remake connections, even when we're older, it's still there. So they can rebuild those auditory working memory pathways.
0: I love the research that you're sharing around this and what people can do when they have those limited cognitive resources, that they have options that they can take care of their hearing and that can help them. And then their older self is really going to thank them. Absolutely.
2: It's one of those modifiable risk factors, just like getting some good exercise, taking care of your heart. It's one way to help prevent cognitive changes and dementia before it even starts.
1: It seems too kind of the the impact of hearing loss as time goes on is someone can start to disengage from um, social interactions, from conversations and really start to experience not only the impact of hearing loss but now the detrimental effects of social isolation
2: Absolutely. And we know that social isolation can worsen cognitive impairment. So it creates this cycle that we can break by increasing their ability to get back into those social engagements.
0: Can you talk to us a little bit about the link between depression and social isolation?
2: Those two things also sort of feed into each other. We know that depression is sometimes a common symptom of dementia or cognitive changes and it leads people to pull away from relationships or even just a conversation because it takes a lot of energy and depression zaps our energy at the same time the more isolated someone becomes the worse their depression gets because interacting with other people is a really easy way to get some of that reward chemical dopamine that keeps us happy hearing, we can see how that would pull us out of those conversations and sort of start that cycle between depression and isolation.
1: I think that's so interesting to not only talk about hearing loss and dementia, but then roll in that social isolation as well, how they're just so intimately connected with each other. I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with is really untangling what is dementia and what is hearing loss because it seems like there's a lot that overlaps between them. Do you have any um, examples to help us kind of tease out the differences? Absolutely. I think this is something
2: people can at least start the process of thinking about at home. So both cognitive changes and hearing loss can cause people to struggle with following along with the conversation, maybe not respond appropriately to what someone else has said to them. They might ask people to repeat themselves, or like we said, they might seem more withdrawn. So any of those could be a sign of either dementia and cognitive changes or of hearing loss. But there are some things that point more in one direction than the other. People who have hearing loss are more likely to have trouble detecting soft or high pitched sounds often they'll use the example of a dripping faucet or have more difficulty hearing on the phone. They may also experience tinnitus and ringing in the ears. Of course, if they themselves are speaking more loudly, probably because they can't hear themselves, having the TV turned up, which is the probably most common one we hear, (laughs) or if one ear is better than the other, that's a good sign that these changes might be hearing loss. Whereas people with cognitive changes are more likely to impact non-hearing related areas as well, because we know that cognitive changes impact all of our life. So they might have trouble recalling their own personal information or not remembering events, things that they did and participated in, more difficulty carrying out their usual tasks, even if they're not related to sound, like cooking or making coffee, things that we could do quietly might still be a struggle for someone with cognitive loss. Having trouble coming up with the words and speaking or misplacing things. So cognitive changes are more likely to impact visual things as well.
0: That's very interesting. Can you tell me more about that?
2: Since cognitive changes are not tied to our ear functioning, they're likely to impact things like navigation, So certainly when driving, but possibly even just walking around the neighborhood. So if someone notices changes in their loved one, even when things are quiet, that could be a sign that it's maybe not hearing loss, but maybe a cognitive change.
0: Very interesting. So talk to us when it's more than just that volume loss. We have a problem and we need to treat it, maybe we're treating it with hearing aids or other options, those cochlear implants. Uh, What can we do to help our person who's experiencing both hearing loss and cognition impairment at the same time?
2: Probably the most important thing is that there is a breaking in period for adjusting to hearing aids or any kind of hearing loss treatment. It takes time for our brain to get used to these new sound signals that it hasn't heard in a while. Much like if you needed to use a cane or a prosthetic leg, it would take time to get used to that before it really feels like a normal part of you. So I think changing our expectations, whether I'm the person with hearing loss or their loved one, and not expecting immediate improvement, but instead giving it some time to get used to it.
1: Oh, I think that's really a helpful strategy. I I had never really considered how a hearing aid is really kind of training. It has to train your brain and get used to it. I think that example of the prosthetic is very helpful. I wonder if you have tips for us, um, for people who are living with dementia and hearing loss, what can the people who care about them do?
2: Many communication tips that are provided for dementia or hearing loss apply to both. And actually they apply to all of us if we wanna communicate well. So face the person that you're speaking to. This is so important for that lip reading and reading of facial expressions, which means that we can't yell directions from another room speaking clearly and slowly, but there's no need to shout because that can actually distort how our lips look and make the lip reading part harder. This also applies to everyone. It's a good idea to have their attention first. We can often start by saying our person's name, getting some eye contact. That way we know, okay, they're ready to listen. And for people with hearing loss, it can be helpful to use the good ear, if there is one, and minimize any background noise. Certain sounds are just harder to hear. We may even notice this on our little podcast, like the difference between s- and th- Um, So if you can substitute another word that's easier to hear, that might make it easier.
0: And I think one of the things that you've mentioned before that my mother would be so proud that you mentioned was don't talk while you're eating.
2: That is very true. That also distorts our mouth and makes it harder to hear because like we said, hearing really includes visual and auditory components. Plus, if we know someone is gonna be really intently looking at our mouth, while we're speaking so they can lip read, I don't think I'd want to
1: be eating.
0: (laughs) Very true.
1: And probably just some other strategies where we're not using our voice, things like writing things down for the person to try to work around the hearing loss. Absolutely, any of those visual cues.
2: Oftentimes when I'm asking about how's your hearing, how's your vision, I point at my ear and I point at my eye even though people can hear me, it just makes it that much easier to understand with a visual cue.
0: I love those tips. And I really like that one about uh, using a visual cue. One of the things that comes up often that, that I hear and that we've experienced in our own family is, you know, if they have hearing aids, are they in, are they on, are the batteries working? Do you have any tips around that?
2: much like many of the other things that people might need reminders for setting up a routine is helpful.
0: Mm.
2: So I often advise patients to keep their hearing aids right next to their medicine, since that's often the first thing we go for in the morning or the coffee. And then same thing at night, have a routine where we're putting them back in the charger or making sure their batteries are good so that they only live in one place. Losing a hearing aid is so sad because they can be so expensive and because they're so important. So it's really important to keep them in one spot, which is their home.
1: You know, when it comes to hearing aids, it seems like there, there can be some pitfalls that come along with them too. Namely, there's really kind of a stigma around hearing aids.
2: I think so, and I think that has to do with the stigma around aging and getting older. Some people are more comfortable if they can use a hearing aid that others can't see And I think it's a false assumption of younger people to assume that older adults don't care about their appearance. So sometimes having those ones that are a little more sleek can be helpful.
0: Well, and I think the other thing around that with uh, hearing aids is people might just feel like, really, what's, what's the point? I'm making it okay right now wearing hearing aids would be a pain, they're expensive, I'm feeling a little vain because I wanna feel younger, but they don't stop and they don't know those, the impact that you shared about how it's a treatable risk factor to help their own cognition. I often hear that people have hearing
2: aids but they don't wear them unless they're going out. And I advise them to wear their hearing aids all the time in order to preserve that cognitive energy even if you're at home by yourself, wear your hearing aids so that your brain stays used to them. We were talking about how it takes some time to train yourself. It's easy to fall out of that training too if you're not using them. And then also to free up those resources so that you don't have to put much energy toward hearing and instead focus on what you would like to focus on.
1: I love that strategy and it almost reminds me of like the fancy china or your fancy jewelry that you save for a special occasion. No, bring it out every day. You should be enjoying it and taking advantage of it. And the same applies to your hearing aids. Absolutely. You paid a lot for them.
2: Get your money's worth.
1: <laughs> Dr. Amman, this has been a really interesting conversation. I wonder if you have any final thoughts you could share with us when it comes to hearing loss and dementia.
2: I think the big myth around hearing loss and around dementia is that eh, there's nothing we can do about it, so why bother? Both of these things are treatable. And if we treat one of them, hearing loss, we can actually help prevent dementia.
1: Fantastic. Thank you again for your time today. Our conversation has been with Dr. Brianna Amon, who is a neuropsychologist at Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We really help, appreciate you helping us untangle this topic. Yes, thank you, Dr.
0: Amin. I really appreciate how you've shared some hope about this treatable risk factor.
2: Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation.
0: Please visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn more about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at DementiaUntangled at BannerHealth.com.